0: chapter 15, guys, we're in lesson 31. Uh, we're going to talk about parted ways today. We just, at the beginning part, verses 1 through 29, talked about the first church council in Jerusalem that discussed uh, the issue of what is required of a Gentile in, with salvation. And that was a big controversy. And And I think it's very interesting, as we go through the history of Acts, we're not just seeing victories and the things that the Spirit is doing. We just don't see victories in the book of Acts. We also see problems. We see difficulties and struggles that arise. And I think there's a reason why. Because we can get into a mindset in the church that makes it seem like church is supposed to be perfect, there's not supposed to be any difficulties whatsoever, there's not supposed to be any struggles, and if there is, there must be a problem with the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? There must be a problem with the church. Now, the problem with that thought process is this. In a perfect world, you could probably say that would be right, but we're not in a perfect world because the church has something that almost guarantees that there's going to be problems. Does anybody know what the church has that almost guarantees that we're going to have problems? People. Yeah, people. People. I mean, that, that's true of anything. I mean, you, we, you know that from your human experience, whether, it, whether it's at work, whether it's in your clans, in your family units, whether it's with your neighbors. You know, you could be going along and you could be like, I'm, I'm going to have a perfect day today, and then all of a sudden something erupts, And it had nothing to do with you. It had something to do with somebody else or whatever. And and, and so I think the scripture very clearly tells us that from the beginning, in the early church, yes, there were victories, God was doing amazing things, but there were problems as well. In fact, chapter 15, very big chapter on the issue of problems. First of all, trying to settle the issue in the Jerusalem church. But now... As we get into the latter part of 15, we're going to see that there is a personal dispute. There's going to be an issue that arises between a couple of main people, Paul and Barnabas, who up until this time, they've been working together. You can obviously see from the text as you read it that they obviously have a close friendship that goes back a long time. Now they are entering into a dispute among themselves, and I think that's interesting Because all relationships have disputes. Do you know what I'm saying? There's there's problems that arise. So let's look at it together. We're going to see, first of all, just the follow-up from their first Jerusalem council. We see that in verses 30 through 35. So look with me. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch, And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets, therefore they exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So let's talk about, first of all, the report in Antioch. When they arrived in Antioch, they gathered the church to deliver the letter. So this is a significant decision. So they wanted to get the church together to share what the decision of the church in Jerusalem was concerning this issue of salvation. So, this is big news. So, they gathered the church together. When the letter was read, they rejoiced over the encouragement. They were excited. Now, anybody got a clue why they were excited? Think about what we talked about last week. What did they decide? It wasn't last week, it's three weeks ago, George. You're asking a lot of me today. Okay, remember, the issue was whether or not you had to become a Jew in order to be a Christian, to be saved. For men, that meant if you had to be circumcised, or you had to give up your dietary, whatever you, like if you like pork sausage, you had to give that up and begin to eat like a Jew. Do you understand what I'm saying? You had to keep the law. So they were imposing all of these regulations on the Gentiles in order for them They were saying in order for them to be saved. And so the decision was, no, you're saved by faith. However, because of that faith, we want you to abstain from three things. Idols, which that makes sense, right? Sexual immorality, okay? And food that is strangled and has the blood in it. Now that, you say, well, that sounds like a law. No, that goes all the way back to Noah. Noah. That goes all the way back to Noah and what God told humanity all the way back to Noah after the flood. Okay? So there was no imposition of the Mosaic law there. So they reacted by being excited about that. Why do you think? Freedom. Because here you are, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're trusting in Him, and along comes some visiting preacher who hangs out and he starts telling you, well, you're not saved. You're not saved because you're not circumcised. You're not saved because you're eating that pepperoni on that pizza today. You know what I'm saying? You're not saved. And and so you begin to wonder, well, maybe I'm not saved. And and it's causing turmoil in your life. Now you've heard the decision that those guys are wrong. They weren't even sent by the church in Jerusalem. That would cause you to be what? Excited. Yes, it is by faith. I am saved. I am forgiven, okay? It, it's all because of Jesus. So the, the letter was read to the church, and they rejoiced over the encouragement. Now, a couple of the guys went with them. Remember last time we looked at the Jerusalem church sent a couple of men with them, Judas and Silas, not Judas Iscariot. Again, Judas was a very common name back then. They sent a couple of guys with the letter to verify that the letter was true, Well, while they're there, they decide to do ministry. So as the report was given, Judas and Silas exercised their gifts as prophets. I think this is an encouraging thing for you and I. Here they are, they're coming to the church, and what do they decide to do? They go ahead and decide to use the gifts that God had given them to what? Benefit that church. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Every single one of you here If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have committed your life to Him, you recognize who He is, and you've given your life to follow Him, He gives you gifts to be used for the benefit of the church. You say, well, what are they? Well, you need to ask God to show you what your gifts are, and it's usually what He encourages you to do within a church. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's usually what He encourages you to do within a church. That's where he gifts you. He's telling you to do something. He gifts you in order to do what he's telling you to do. And you just need to start using that gift. Why? For the benefit of who? The church. Everybody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody else. And as soon as these guys showed up there, they began exercising their gifts as prophets. That is proclaiming God's word to them. So they encouraged and strengthened the church with their teaching. Now, I want you to understand something. We're not talking about, yes, they probably had teaching times like what we're doing right now. But probably also when they met with people individually and talked with them, maybe shared a drink with them or shared a meal with them or whatever, they they would find out where that person is at and then they would say, well, you know, here's what you need to do. This is how you can walk closer to the Lord. This is what you need to do to strengthen your walk with Jesus. They spent time teaching. you understand? They spent time teaching and strengthening. So after spending some time in Antioch, they were sent back to Jerusalem with greetings. After spending some time... so. And and just so you understand, when we talk about time, spending some time here, we're not talking about a week. It's possible that they may have spent up to a whole year. It's possible that they may have spent up to a whole year, months, with them. They decided to send them back to Antioch with greetings from the church in, in Antioch to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch as they continued to teach and preach. The scripture also tells us that Silas decided to stay. He was from Jerusalem. He's a Jew from Jerusalem. He just decides to stay in Antioch and continue on as well. So they're all there remaining, encouraging, and continuing to teach. Now, I want you to look at something here. I think this is very interesting. Verse 35, look with me. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. And notice that next phrase, with many others also. A couple things I want you to see here. So we already know that Paul and Barnabas are teachers, and so they continue to stay in Antioch and teach as well. But what is the text telling us? Who else is teaching there? Yeah, other believers, many others, okay? First thing I want you to see. It's not about prominent people. It's about people exercising their gifts. Exercising their gifts. So let, me, let me go ahead and challenge you here. The difficulty with our type of church. Can I tell you what the difficulty with our type of church is? It's very real, okay? The difficulty with our type of church is this. We, we usually have one primary teacher. We might have some others. In our church, we don't just have one. I, I guess I am the primary teacher, but we have elders who teach as well, okay? We have one primary teacher, and then we kind of think that the rest of everybody else, that's not where we're at. We're not, we're not, we're not there. That's not my gift. We, are, we got the one guy, all right? That's the problem with our type of church. Our type of church doesn't provide an atmosphere for others to exercise their gifts. Because I'm not going to sit here and say to you that only three or four men in the church have it together as far as teaching. Because that's not how the Spirit works. The Spirit actually works in the lives of others to exercise that gift. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what we see here in this passage is, is there they are as a church. Yeah, you got Paul and Barnabas teaching, but you also have, it says there, notice the word, I think is many, and what does many mean? Last time you looked in it, de- was it? A lot. Okay? There were people teaching. So what's my challenge to you? My challenge to you is this. If God's planted a desire in your heart to teach, you need to pursue that. How? Go through the process. Talk to the elders. Look for an opportunity. What usually happens? Maybe you're given an opportunity to lead a Bible study. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have needs in the back with children. If you re- meet those requirements, you start there. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there, there are different ways. So there's a need for teaching, for teachers. Here's the other thing I want you to understand. They taught. See, we can get distracted from what our purposes at church are, and, and re- but we've always got to see that primary to the church is that every one of us needs to be continually taught. Why? So that we can be strengthened and encouraged. Strengthened and encouraged. Why? Because we forget. Hey, do you think it's easy to forget that God loves you? You think it's easy? If you're not sure, let me just kind of help you. When's the last time you went through a a difficulty and a struggle and you didn't understand why it was going on and you questioned whether or not God loved you, right? Did you understand what I'm saying? You and I have a need to be continually reminded. See, this is the thing about teaching in a church. What we teach in church should not be something new and fantastic and the next greatest, biggest thing in Christianity. First of all, there isn't anything like that. It's continually coming to you and reminding you over and over and over again the same truths. Why? So that you're grounded in the truth, so that you are strengthened and live your life no matter what happens around you. That's the bottom line. We see that here, okay? We see that here. So they remained in Antioch and continued to preach and teach. Now, let's look, with, look now. We're going to look at verses 36 to 41, and we're going to see the dispute that happens among the brothers particularly Paul and Barnabas, okay? Look look with me, verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren To the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches. Okay, so let's go through here. We're going to see that there is a problem here. First of all, Paul has his desire to visit. Paul expressed to Barnabas a desire to go back and visit the Gentile churches. It's only natural. If you're the spiritual father who has helped plant these churches, you're going to be worried about how they're doing, right? You're going to be concerned about how they're doing back there in Asia Minor, and you want to go visit them. So he expresses that to Barnabas. So at first, this sounds like a really good idea. And I'm sure Barnabas is thinking, yeah, let's do that. Let's go together. That's where they're agreeing to with each other. Let's go back and visit the churches. All right? Let's go back and visit the churches. Now, Paul wanted to go to every city where they preached and see how the churches were doing. So again, he wants to go, see how they're doing, strengthen them if they need strengthened. He wants to go to these churches. So again, that's the desire. Now here's where the problem comes in. Barnabas was determined to bring John Mark on the journey. All right, stop for a moment. Anybody remember who John Mark is? He's the guy who left him. Yep, Left him high and dry, or, or he was a young guy. First of all, he's young. He's related to Barnabas. He's just so, just historically, you know who John Mark is. Do you have the Gospel of Mark in your Bibles? I'm sure you do, okay? Unless you've got a weird Bible, okay? He's the author of the Gospel of Mark, okay? He was with Jesus, when you read in the Gospels about how when Jesus was taken, a young man slipping away, his robe falls off and he runs away naked. That's John Mark, according to history, OK? So this is a guy who was there from the beginning, but we were, remember now, in the first missionary journey, after they left Cyprus and when they landed in Asia Minor, one guy decided he was going back to Jerusalem. Who was that? John Mark, OK? John Mark. So Barnabas is determined, and, and the word is determined. When you're determined, you've decided this is what needs to happen. He's decided that what needs to happen is, is John Mark is going on this journey. Okay? Going on this journey. Now, Paul expressed that he had a problem with taking John Mark with him. He's got a problem with that. Okay, stop for a moment. You can see both sides of it. What do you mean? Well, Barnabas is wanting to take John Mark. He's probably got some good reason. He's related to John Mark. He still trusts John Mark. Maybe he's wanting to stretch John Mark, you know, take him to, you know, let's go back and and, and once we get there, you know, yes, he bailed out, but let, you know, because he was scared of what happened in Cyprus. Maybe he's matured enough now. Let's give him another chance. Paul's thinking, no, we're going back to the Gentile churches. We're not taking this guy. Why would Paul say that? Well, Paul's been run out of town. Paul's been tarred and feathered. Paul's been stoned. Did you understand what I'm saying? Paul's suffered for these churches, and and he wants to have with him people that he can what? Trust and depend on, right? Trust and depend on. So you can see now where there's going to be a problem here, right? You can see one guy's determined to bring him. The other guy says, I don't trust him. I can't rely on him. We shouldn't bring him, okay? Does that sound like a great time of fellowship ready to happen? You think there's some strong emotions here? Do you think? Yes, we're going to read that here in a second, okay? Now, This was due to the fact that John Mark had left them in Pamphylia. So Paul's got a big memory here. Look, the last time we went, this guy bailed on us. This guy left. And think about it. He even took some of our money to pay for the journey back. Think about that. They probably went with some resources those resources would have to be, some of those resources would have to be used to send John Mark back to where? Jerusalem, do you think? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, even in their time, I'm sure a cruise would cost a little bit, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Now, the issue concerning bringing John Mark resulted in this dispute between Barnabas and Paul. It resulted in a dispute. Now, here's, here's, here's how intense it was. You ever have a... You recognize that there are different levels of disputes, right? You know what I'm saying? There are different levels of disputes. There, there's the minor level, like, okay, we disagree. And then there's the, there's the level where it becomes really intense. Okay? Sharp is what it's called. In fact, when you look at this passage here, look with me at verse 39. Look at what it says there. Then the contention became so sharp. You think that was intense? Yeah, it got to be pretty hard here, pretty heated. All right? Pretty heated. And because of the dispute... Barnabas and Paul parted ways. They decided to go in different directions. Different directions. So, if you look at verse 39, Barnabas took John Mark as he went to visit the church in Cyprus. So, he took John Mark to visit the church in Cyprus. Paul and Silas, now Paul takes Silas, chose Silas to accompany him on the trip to visit the Gentile churches. So he chose Silas to accompany him to visit the Gentile churches in Asia Minor. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Remember, they both had a desire to go back and strengthen the churches, see how the churches were doing, and strengthen them. Remember, they both had that same desire. Now, they had an argument concerning how to do that, and with, in particular, who to bring with them, right? Could they agree? No. So they parted ways. So in parting ways, though, I think it's interesting that you see that they both do what they desired to do. What do you mean? If you remember on the first missionary journey, when they left Antioch, where was the first place they went to? You need to? Let me help you. Let me go back. Let me, if you got your Bible, because you're like, I don't know, George. All right, let's go back for a second. Go all the way back to... Chapter 13. Look with me at verse 4. So when being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to where? Cyprus. So the first place they went on the mercenary journey where they established churches was the island of Cyprus. Where does Barnabas go with John Mark? What do you think he's doing there? What they desired to do, check on the churches, strengthen them. Now Paul, he he decides instead of going, because that's where Barnabas is going, we're not having a good time fellowshipping here. We're not We're not agreeing here, but we're going to do our thing. He's going a different direction. He goes through Syria, through Cilicia, and he enters not by sea, but goes around the other direction to visit the churches that were started there. So they're both doing the same thing. They just couldn't agree on what? how to do it. And in particular, how to do it was who to bring with them. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, there can be disagreements. Let me just stop for a moment. There, can't, there will be disagreements in ministry. Now, does God use those disagreements? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Up until this point, he's always used the problems in the church for another purpose, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? God can use difficulties. He's always used them for another purpose. Okay? Now, we we don't Luke because he's recording Paul at this point and what's happening with Paul. Doesn't tell us what Barnabas does from this point on. But he goes on and tells us more about what happens in the ministry of Paul from this point on. Now Let me just go ahead and give you a backstory here. We know that the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote was Second Timothy. Second Timothy, I want you to turn to chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four. This is Paul's last letter. He's in prison. This is his second imprisonment. He's facing death. He knows that he's going to get the death sentence from Nero. Okay? He knows that he's going to die. I want you to look at verse 11. Here are the words of a man who is rotting in jail, waiting to die. Okay? And how he would be executed because he's a Roman citizen, It's not by crucifixion. Remember Peter, we know that Peter was crucified because he was a Jew. But Paul is also a Jew, but he has Roman citizenship. And as a Roman citizen, you were not, if you were to be executed, you were not to be crucified. It was against the law for you to be crucified. How they would execute you is they would just cut off your head. Be merciful and just cut off your head. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. Verse 11, he says this. Only Luke is with me. So he's writing about who's with him in prison. Luke. Luke, his companion, is with him. What I want you to notice the next phrase. He's writing to Timothy Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Now, this is John Mark we're talking about here. You think something changed? See, at, at this point where we're looking here in chapter 15, was, was John Mark, in Paul's mind, was he useful? No, not at all. But here he is close to death. Something changed. Do you understand what I'm saying? God brought out a reconciliation. Paul changed, changed his heart. Something happened. We don't know what happened. When we go to Jesus, we'll find out. Okay? Only I don't think you're going to ask him that question. Okay? You're just going to accept the fact that it happened. But the reality is, is that God has a purpose in allowing the disputes, allowing the problems, and he uses them for his glory. That's what I want you to see here, okay? He uses them for his glory. Let's, let's finish up here. The church commended them the grace of the Lord as they journeyed to the churches. So he, they commended them the grace of the Lord as they journeyed, okay, to the churches. Paul and Silas traveled through Syria and Cilicia in order to visit the churches. So they traveled through Syria and Cilicia in order to visit the churches, strengthening the churches as they went. So as they traveled, they strengthened the churches along the travel route. They would have taken whatever the, what, you know, I, I-80 in their day. Whatever that was, okay? Probably wasn't I, it was probably Roman, you know. Roman Route 60, you know what I'm saying? So just going through, and they strengthened the churches all along the way.